0: Here at the Packing House, we study through the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are, we've are we gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, you know, all the way now we're in the book of Daniel. We're almost done with Daniel. But what we find in the what we call the Old Testament is the history of the people that God raised up. Through them, he has always planned to bring light and salvation to the entire world. This was his plan from the very beginning. He started with one man named Abraham and he said, I'm going to bless you, give you this land. I'm going to make of you a mighty nation. Those that bless you, I'm going to bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. And it's from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and down the line, through the family of David, who was of the tribe of Judah, that Jesus came. Hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament flows towards Jesus. Everything that starts in the Old Testament that doesn't lead to Jesus, it's, it fades out. And the story follows the line that leads to Jesus, who is Israel's Messiah, He's also called the Savior of the world. Well, these people are just as messed up as you and me. This is one of the things that is so obvious as we continue to study this unfolding history. They fail. They need the very Savior that will eventually come through them, Jesus. They need him as much as anybody that he comes for needs them, needs him. Another theme that we see that's so obvious is that God is faithful. Man is unfaithful, even God's chosen people, the people he chose to bring it to the world through them. But God is faithful. He doesn't let go of these folks. He doesn't abandon them when they fall. He does spank them, okay? That's what we're seeing here. By the time we get to Daniel, the people have been so chronically turning their back on God in worshiping idols that God, through the prophets, had said for decades, I'm going to spank you. You know, like my mom used to tell me when I was so chronically disobeying her as a little kid. I'm going to spank you, you know. Sometimes it was that one, two, three strikes, you're out. And then it was go to your bedroom, and then I knew that it was, it was, it was over. I'm getting spanked. You know, but my mom did that because she loved me. And, you know, if my mom had never spanked me, I'd probably be in jail right now. I wouldn't be preaching. I'd be in jail because I was a little wicked kid, a kleptomaniac, a pyromaniac, every maniac. I was a maniac, you know, breaking and entering, destroying property and lying and cheating. And I got so many spankings, so many spankings. And I think of my mom, she's with the Lord now, but man, she loved me. My, my dad loved me, you know. They chastened me. They disciplined me. God is disciplining his people. The tribe of Judah is in Babylon. Babylon, God allowed and used Babylon to come in and, and clean his house, you know. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was torn down. And the people were exiled into Babylon. Well, Daniel was one of those exiles. He was one of those that was taken away in the first deportation. And Daniel, because he was so brilliant, and it says he was good-looking and brilliant, the Babylonians took him and put him in a training program. And Daniel's been in Babylon, as we come to chapter 10 tonight, he's been there for 70 years. He's an old man now. He's probably around 85 years old. He went in as a teenager. And he's been serving the kings of Babylon. And now the kings of Persia because the Persian Empire has now risen and overtaken the Babylonians. But when we come to chapter 10 here, this is a setup. Tonight, chapter 10, it's a setup for the astounding prophecy of Daniel chapter 11. Which we're going to get into next week. Where this prophecy describes a time of great persecution and testing for the people of Israel. Sound familiar? (laughs) These people are constantly going through a time of great trouble and persecution and testing, like no other people. Chapter 11 describes a long and difficult season involving great trouble for the people that God chose that through them would come salvation to me and you. So it says here verse 1 in the 3rd year of Cyrus, Daniel here's a time stamp, a time marker. It was in the 3rd year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Daniel's in you know, he's serving these kings because he's like he's like a counsel to the king. He's so brilliant. Just like our president has his advisors, some of the smartest people in the country with these high IQs, guys that are totally on the ball. He's serving the king of Persia. And it was, he says, Daniel says, it was in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, which is interesting because ancient Persia is modern day Iran, Iran. Okay, Daniel says, a message was revealed to me, to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. This is the name that the Babylonians had given Daniel when they took him into captivity. Daniel was his Hebrew name, which means God is my judge. And they'd given him this name, this Babylonian name, which means lady, servant of the king. And I believe it's because they had castrated Daniel. You know that he wouldn't be messing with any of their women. This is, was the custom of the day. I mean, just then they then they were calling him lady, servant of the king. <laughs> wow, that would anyway. Let's move on here. By this time, by this time here, the third year of Cyrus. By this time, the first wave of the exiles have returned. The first wave of the exiles have returned under the leadership of a guy named Zerubbabel. And we saw that beginning of the return in Ezra, the book of Ezra, chapter 1 and 2, if you want to read through that. But Daniel receives this message. There's already been a first wave of exiles to return, and Nehemiah is going to lead another wave, and they're going to rebuild the walls. Ezra went back first to rebuild the temple. The temple. But in the third year of Cyrus, the message was true, Daniel said, that he received. But the appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Now, we're not sure. It doesn't fully tell us why he was mourning. He was just emotionally distressed and in this terrible state of mourning for three full weeks. Was it because so few Jews had returned with Ezra and gone back to Judah? Because it was only a small amount. Many of the Jews that had been in exile, they say they had started businesses in Babylon. They had built these beautiful homes there during that 70 years and they didn't even want to return. Daniel could be mourning that Not more of his fellow Jews had returned. And it's interesting that to this day, there is a Jewish population in Iran. They've been there this whole time in Iran. And they were there from the exile under Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. They were there this whole time. Iranian Jews, interesting. It could have been that he's mourning here for three full weeks because he knew that Ezra, back in the homeland, back rebuilding the temple, was facing serious resistance in the rebuilding of the Jewish temple there in Jerusalem. Or he could have been mourning here over the message that he's speaking of here that we're going to get into now in this chapter concerning this long and terrible season that would that was ahead for his people the very message he's going to receive here and and we're going to see in chapter 11 it could have just been so disturbing that it's making him sick it's making him depressed okay now to get a full picture realize that Daniel he didn't go back with Ezra's group because he's about 84 85 years old he's an old man this was a long journey back. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of miles. And they didn't have a train system or cars, or they didn't even have electric bikes, you know, e bikes. It was a long and dangerous journey through a very deserty world there. David Guzik points out that Daniel could serve the exiles actually better from his high position in the government there in Persia than if he would have gone back as an old man. He just would have been a burden. They would have had to carry him back and on, his, on their back. And, but he didn't go back. So during this three full weeks of mourning, he's under this emotional distress, he says here. I was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth for three weeks, nor did I anoint myself with the oils and the lotions and all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. He's so upset that his normal diet and hygiene practice is has been laid aside. I don't know if you've ever been depressed. You know, but these are Typical things you find in someone struggling in depression. I've been there. You don't feel like grooming, you know. You don't feel like eating. I don't believe that he was purposely fasting here. I believe that he's not eating these things and drinking the wine, his normal glass of wine in the evening, which was a symbol of just rest and celebration. He, because he's so in turmoil here, you know. He says, now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris River, there's the Tigris and the Euphrates River there, he says, I was by the Tigris River, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of euphaz, his body was like beryl. His face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. He's obviously having a great spiritual vision or a visitation from some supernatural being. This is what he's describing here. And there's different ideas as to who this certain man was. You know, in the previous verse there, he says, and then a certain man appeared. Okay? Some say it was Jesus because of the description of this man that he sees here by the Euphrates River. is very similar to what John describes when he had a vision of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through 16. Some think... That this, this unnamed angel of high rank, is a, this is an angel. You know, noting that Jesus would not need the assistance of Michael that we're going to see in verse 13. Okay, this angel, whoever this certain man was, is going to need the assistance of Michael the archangel. Jesus wouldn't need anybody's assistance. okay. Whatever the case, this is a supernatural messenger from God and Daniel's describing the brilliance. The, it, this, he's describing something that he's seeing that you don't normally see among people. And he said, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision because the men that were with me didn't see the vision but great terror fell on them so that they fled and hid themselves. I was the only one that saw this because when this thing began to appear, everybody around me like took off and hid themselves. It's interesting, every time a, an angel appears in the scripture, it's terrifying. People, the people, people are terrified. And what's also interesting is every time the response of the angel, because angel, the, the, an angel, the word angel means Messenger. Okay, they're messengers of God. Every time the angel says to the terrified human, every time, every time an angel appears, the human is terrified. <laughs> you, know, if, if, you know, if angels manifest right now, we'd all be terrified because they're so awesome that we, 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 we would be overwhelmed. But every time the angel says to the human, that they appear to, they say, fear not. Don't fear. Don't fear. I'm bringing you a message from God. And God's not out to get you. Like you think. He's out to get you, to bring you to himself. Not to get you, to crush you. Okay, but the the humans are always afraid. You know? The, The angels always say, Fear not. You know, like when the angels appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem, in the fields of Bethlehem, when the Christ was being born, the the angelic realm opened up and the shepherds saw the innumerable number of angels and they were terrified in fear. And one of the angels said to the shepherds, Don't fear, I bring you glad tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, tonight, in the city of Bethlehem, there's been born unto you one who is Christ, the Christ. Don't be afraid. You know, God's coming to help. He's coming to save. He's coming to bless. He's not coming to crush you. But it's interesting here that Daniel says, I alone saw the vision because everybody with me took off. In so much fear, they hid themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision. I had no, st- no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. This was an overwhelming experience, you know? Totally wiped him out. In the presence of God, in the presence of angelic beings, heavenly beings, in the presence of the beauty that God is this is one sign that God is appearing in your life and you 're seeing him for who He is the ugly stuff in your own life that you do the way you treat people the the way you, you you think about people you you become repulsed with your own sin okay this this is not a bad thing this is a this means that you've you're getting close to God. You're becoming more consciously aware of the ugly, and it's no longer okay with you. You don't need someone to tell you. It's no, no one needs to tell me <laughs> the ugly stuff in me when I see the beauty of God. And sometimes I see Him in some of you, and I walk away just going, God, I need to change, because I don't want to be ugly. I want to be beautiful. I want, to look, I want to be like him, you know? But here Daniel says, just, it just wiped me out. It just left me wiped out and drained, you know? And I, when Isaiah saw the Lord, Isaiah chapter 6, it'll be up here on the screen, he said in the year, this was, Isaiah, this was before the exile. Isaiah was one of the prophets telling him God's going to bring spanking if we don't turn back to him. Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up the train of his robe filled the temple above it stood seraphim with these wings that covered these angelic beings around the throne of God and they were all crying out holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory, these angelic beings around the throne of God and the posts of the door Isaiah said they were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the voice was filled, the house was filled with smoke and so I said, I Isaiah watching this, seeing this vision of God and these angelic beings and the beauty of the Lord. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. But God just doesn't leave us there, feeling bad about our ugliness. He doesn't leave us there feeling disintegrated by, before his goodness. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a coal, a live coal in his hand that he'd taken from the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. The minute we cry out and go, God, I don't want to be ugly like this. I want to be beautiful like you, Lord. I want to be filled with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your meekness, your gentleness, your self-control. The Lord cleanses us. God doesn't reveal our sin to us to put our face in it like some of you do with your dog when he poops on your floor, you know? No, he's he, the minute we confess, A coal comes, touches his lips. I've taken away your iniquity. Your sin is purged, Isaiah. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Here I am. Send me. (coughs) This is a process. This is a microcosm of what God does in our lives. As we get closer to the Lord, we become painfully aware some of the ugly stuff in us that we, we are no longer good with. And God cleanses us. And then he says, who wants to go for me? Oh, you do? I'm going to send you. I'm going to use you now. This is God. This is God. He wants to use our lives for his glory. The closer I get to the Lord, the more I walk out into the, his light, the more my flaws are seen. It says in 1 John chapter 1, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his only son, cleanses us continuously from all of our sin. If I walk out into the light, if I get closer to God, I'm going to be more aware of my sinfulness, not less. Some of you have been worrying the last months and years You feel like you're more sinful than you've ever been. This is a sign that you've gotten closer to God. (laughs) The way you used to treat people, that arrogance, the way that you used to be condescending and stuff, and now you're just like, I am a jerk. When you were distant from God and the light wasn't shining on you, you could get away with this stuff and everyone looked at you like, you're a total jerk and you're the only one that didn't see it. You know, but you get close to God and he's like going, you can't be doing that anymore. That's not how I'm treating your wife. That's not how I'm treating the people around you. We become more painfully aware. The closer that Paul got to the Lord, Paul the Apostle, the more he progressed in the Christian life. You can see it if you line up his writings chronologically, Okay, Paul, God inspired through Paul 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. Half of the New Testament was inspired through Paul the Apostle. And if you line up his books chronologically, and you look at the way that he describes his own sinfulness, it gets more and more severe as time goes on. Early on, Paul would say things like, everybody has sinned. And everybody falls short of the glory of God. And then later Paul would write, in me that is in my flesh, there's no good thing. Oh, I got so much sin inside of me. Toward the end of his life, one of the last things he ever wrote, he wrote to a young pastor named Timothy and he said, Timothy, listen to me, son. This is a faithful saying, what I'm gonna tell you right now. This isn't hyperbole. This is straight up, Reality. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, among which I am the worst. Okay? Paul, Paul's estimation of his own sinfulness got more and more severe. The closer and closer he got to God, the more he walked out into the light. But you know what else got more and more passionate? It was his focus on Jesus alone he didn't want to talk about anything else except Jesus Christ and him crucified he did, he, his love for the gospel of God's grace became so passionate in him and his hatred of legalism because he knew that he knew that he knew that there's nothing in us that, by which we can save ourselves that we need Christ we need his finished work And that's what became more and more passionate. If you look at the whole thing chronologically, it's very interesting. And so Daniel, encountering this heavenly being here, he's getting yet another revelation from God. He says, no strength remained in me. My vigor was turned to frailty. I retained no strength. Wow. And yet, I heard the sound of his words. This messenger of God, while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. This is an overwhelming spiritual experience, a vision that Daniel got from the Lord. He's all laid out now, all weak. But notice, he's strengthened next by a touch of the hand of this one. Suddenly a hand touched me. And made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So he was down on his face. He was down laying flat out on the floor. He's touched and now he finds himself up on his hands and knees. Whoever's touching him is lifting him up. Strengthening him. And then listen to what the angel said to Daniel. As he's wiped out there. In this presence of this angelic being. And he said to me, oh Daniel. Daniel. Man greatly beloved. Oh, Daniel. You dear, dear Daniel. You greatly loved Daniel. (laughs) Understand the words that I speak to you and stand up. Get up. For I have now been sent to you. And Daniel says, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood up, trembling, so this is the second time that we see here in the book of Daniel that he's addressed by an angel of God, a messenger of God, as, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved of God. Both times he's called this as he's painfully aware of his own weaknesses and oh, he's overwhelmed in the presence of God. Both times that he's called in this manner. It's while he's receiving a significant revelation about the future, a prophetic word about the, God's people, the people through which God brings his salvation into the world. An angel said to Daniel, man, you are so greatly loved by God. This reminds me of how John the Apostle in the New Testament referred to himself. Okay, an angel is saying this of Daniel, John referred to himself in his own writings in the Gospel of John, right? You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, John, these are four, you know, accounts of what they witnessed, eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. That's what the Gospel is. four accounts of these guys that lived with him and walked with him and talked with him and and camped with him, and ate with him, and were rebuked by him, and loved on by him, and saw him moving in people's lives. Well, John, when he's describing the characters, when he's describing the other, he calls Peter, Peter, he calls Andrew, Andrew, he calls John the Baptist by his name. But whenever he referred to himself, he said, and then the disciple that Jesus loves said such and such, or did such and such. I always thought that was like, wow, what? Does Jesus love John more than everybody else? No, what was happening is John knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Who are you? I'm Greg. Is that who I am, Greg? You know? Is that fundamentally who I am, Greg? Gregory? Gregory means watchful one. Is that what I am, this watchful guy? What, who does God say I am? God says you are highly loved by me. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Well, I'm part of that world. And God said he's so loved. That's, our fund, that's your fundamental identity. John was just walking in it. He's like, okay, this is, you told me who I am. That's how I'm going to talk about myself. I'm this guy that Jesus loves. the disciple that Jesus loves I love that this is who we are and God has said it in the cross of Christ this is our fundamental identity God calls us this all over scripture and then he says you will not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth are you living off of what I've said about you who I've told you that you are John was in 1 John alone, we are called, the, the saints, believers are called beloved over and over. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, verse, 1 John 3, 2, 1 John 3, 21, 1 John 4, 7, 4, 11, beloved, because this is who we are. So the writer is addressing the people of God according to who they really are. You are beloved of God. I love 1 John 3 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called sons and daughters of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. Beloved, now, right now, this is what we are. When John said these words, and we sing the song, Behold, what manner of love the Father, He's going, look at this. That's what behold means. It means, check this out. Behold, what kind of love is this? And the word there in the Greek is, what kind of species, what species of love is this? That we, and when he says we, it's we knowing who I am in my flesh, weak and sinful and lustful and prideful and all the crud that I can be. He's like, what species of love? Check this out. What species of love is this? That we are called sons and daughters of God and that's what we are. He's blown away by that love. He's like, what kind of love is this? That we've been made sons and daughters of God. It's a love like no other love in this world. It's a love that has saved us. It's a love that gave himself for us sacrificed himself on the cross and that's what we are and you're sitting there thinking oh gosh you don't know me I do know you because I am you you are me we are all in this together (laughs) we're all made of the same stuff all the I got all this junk in my heart I got all this stuff that scares me to death in me and I'm like going God I don't want to walk in any of this stuff And I'm a son, I've been made a child of God. What kind of love is this? this? That this is actually what I am. I am his son now. He says, this is what we are. This is what we are right now, John says there. And it's not yet been revealed what we shall be when we're finished. We're not finished yet. But we know that when we see him, we'll be like him because we'll see him like he is. In the end, we're going to be like Christ. We're going to be beautiful like him. All the ugly was going to be gone, is what he's saying there. Wow. He said to me, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. The messenger of God that terrified Daniel. That got Daniel passed out on the floor face down. That had now has touched him and brought him up to his hands and knees. The angel that said, get up, stand up. I stood trembling, and he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, oh, man, you're so greatly loved, beloved, beloved of God. Understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking, this word came, this word to me. I stood trembling. Notice there. God is reassuring Daniel. You're so loved. And you know it's perfect love that drives out what? Fear. Love, love is, Daniel's afraid. He's trembling. And fear, love is driving out his fear. It's lifting him up. It's calling him to get up. And God's speaking to somebody here tonight. God's lifting you up and he's telling you, stand up. Stand up. Get up. Pay attention, listen up, <laughs> because I'm going to use you. I'm going to speak to you, and I'm going to use you to speak to others. You are greatly loved of me. You're so painfully aware of your flaws, your failures. My love has covered you. My love, by, in my love, I've given myself for you. Wow. I want to use you. And so he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. Daniel. Do not fear. Do not fear. Your sins are forgiven. Do not fear. You're covered in the gift of my righteousness. Do not fear. I'm with you and I'll never leave you. These are all things that God has said in Scripture through the prophets to God's people. I'm not making this stuff up. Do not fear. I that have started a work in you, I'm going to carry it on to completion until it's done. No matter what. No matter how many times you fall, I'm going to get it done. Even when you're faithless, I'm still faithful because that's who I am. Then he said to me, Don't fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. This angel, this angelic being that has appeared to Daniel, is telling Daniel, that when you first started to pray and you set your heart to seek God's face, I began to move towards you. Notice this, this is interesting. The moment you began to pray, I began to come towards you. I was dispatched, Daniel, to go to you. To go to you, I was dispatched. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. What in the world is this talking about? The prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is speaking of angelic beings. There's, in, the, in the angelic realm, we're told, and I don't fully understand angelic stuff. That I, I don't understand fully things I can't see. But there's an unseen world, the Bible says, and we're in the middle of a, we're in the crosshairs, a crossfire of a spiritual battle that's going on. This angelic being comes to Daniel and he's telling him, fear not, you are so greatly loved of God, man. From the first day you begin to seek God in prayer to understand what's happening to your people. What's happening in this moment of history, where things are going in the future? The first moment you began to turn towards God, I was dispatched to come to you. And I was resisted. I was in a spiritual battle for 21 days. And it was the prince of the kingdom of Persia that was re- holding me back. Okay? What a trip! The idea of prince speaks of authority and rulership. And this fits well with the New Testament idea that angelic beings are in, are in rank. There, there's ranks like generals and, and, you know, the different levels like lieutenants and privates and that there's an organization among fallen angels and among angels that have been faithful to God. I don't fully understand this stuff. But there's principalities and powers and there's hierarchies. And here this angel comes to Daniel and says, I was fighting through to get to you, man. And I was being resisted by this high-ranking demonic being that's over the geographical region of Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And I had to fight through to get to you. This is what this angel's telling Daniel. Okay, hey, you can read about this in the New Testament if you're studying, if you're taking notes. Ephesians chapter one, verse 21. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. Colossians chapter one, verse 16. Colossians 2, 15. It speaks of angelic beings in these rankings and there's, there's different spirits that rule over different geographical regions of the world. We experienced this when we went to Hungary. There's, there's a flavor of spiritual warfare in different places in the world. It's a lot different in Hungary than it is in Redlands. I lived in Redlands in the 80s and I moved to Hungary for 17 years and it was a different spirit. There's a lot of suicide. Hungary was second in the world in suicide behind Austria, which was next door. There was some type of demonic spirit over that region of the world of suicide. And I remember when I was newly married and my wife, she was having demonic dreams at night when we were first married in Budapest. And it was like, I, and, and sometimes you, you're, you're standing, I've never wanted to kill myself, you know? I've wanted God to take me before. I was in so much pain or in so much fear. I said, take me, Lord, but... You're standing there, and the tram's coming by, and there's this voice in your head saying, "Jump in front of the tram!" I'm like, "What the hell is this?" You know, literally, what in hell is this? I never experienced that here in California, but in Budapest, it's the there's a there's a different weird spiritual thing there. Ryan can, if you guys have never met Ryan, he's an accident he was an accidental missionary to Haiti. He was delivering a boat. He was a sailor and a spear fisherman and an amazing young man in our church. He was delivering a boat, 1,100-mile journey from Florida down to Haiti, and he ended up staying there for five years and has a ministry to the fishermen in Haiti. And he's describing to us what the spiritual weirdness is in Haiti, and it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. Here this angel comes, it says, I fought through this principality, this power, this spiritual weirdness that rules over the region of modern day Iran, of the kingdom of Persia and I've come to you. Wow. Three times in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to Satan as the prince of this world and he has principalities and powers in places over different regions, I don't fully understand it. I'm not totally into it. All I need to know is that greater is in me that, than He that's in this world. That's all I need to know. I need to know. All I need to know is that we over we overcome. It says in Revelation, we overcome Satan by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. I don't need to know uh, the details of all these things. <laughs> But when I come under spiritual attack, I start to speak my testimony. And my testimony is this I am a wretch that has been saved by the grace of God. Because Satan will come and he's the one who condemns you. Who is he that condemns? Paul asks. He says, It's not Jesus. Jesus is the one that died for all that stuff that you're being condemned about, and he rose from the dead, he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you. He's on your side, he's not against you. And if God is for us, Paul says, then who can be against us? There is one against us. There's spiritual forces that are, he's called the liar, the accuser of the brethren. You see? How do we overcome when we're under spiritual attack? start praying out your testimony. You're you're don't argue with the devil when he starts pointing out your sin. I am a sinner. The worst thing you can do is start trying to convince the devil you're not you no I'm not I'm not that bad. You are that bad. And Jesus died for me as that bad guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. By and the blood of Christ was shed, you know? And you plead the blood of Christ over your heart over your mind over your wife over your house over your kids and you that spiritual oppression will lift because these principalities and powers can't stand Jesus they can't stand up to Jesus you know they can stand up they 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 look at me and go I'll take you on but man if you bring Jesus into this I'm out of (laughs) here so bring Jesus into it bring him in every time you know The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, Daniel, 21 days. 21 days. Interesting. I think of even today the millions of beautiful, talented Iranian people. The Persian people. Do you know any Persians? We have a good family friend of ours. Persian. Beautiful people. Unbelievably talented people. If the Persian people in Iran today had weapons, they would overthrow their government tomorrow. Tomorrow. They would throw off those extreme religious authorities over them who have robbed them of their freedom and oppressed their women and hold them like captives in their own country. You ever sit and think about these leaders of countries? If you're, can you imagine? What, what are these guys thinking like, my country, I have to build walls to keep people in because everybody wants to get the heck out of here. Like, don't they sit there and think, like, I'm such a loser, you know? No, when, you're, when, you're, when, when your population is blessed, you might have to build walls to keep bad guys from getting in, <laughs> you know? But to build, you have to build walls and hold guns. You, you aren't leaving. You know, you can't be dressing like that. You can't be thinking like that. Humanity is in the crossfires of a spiritual war. This is what's happening. You know, he withstood me 21 days. 21 days. It's a trip. This insight couldn't be more relevant to what's happening right now with what we call the conflict in the Middle East, right? It's all swirling around Israel. Daniel is praying. An angelic being comes to him. I was held up because I was, there was a resistance of me coming and encouraging you to give you this message about the people that God has chosen to bring his salvation to the world through them. There was a resistance against you, Daniel, by this demonic being who's got his grips on the, the kingdom of Persia. I've been moving towards you since the day you started praying, Daniel. And now I've broken through. It's an intense, this, the, the, these angelic beings are warriors. You know when the Bible calls God the Lord of hosts, that, that phrase appears over and over. It's one of the titles of God. He's the Lord of hosts. It means he's the Lord over the angelic armies of heaven. When the angels appeared in Bethlehem, here we go into Christmas, and we're going to sing this in our Christmas carols about these angels that appeared to the shepherds. What these shepherds saw were these mighty warriors. You know, it it wasn't like some baby with wings floating around, little, you know. These are hair-raising, mighty warrior beings, angelic beings. They're warriors, and God is the Lord over all the hosts, these armies, the armies of heaven that are at your disposal (laughs) as we call upon the name of the Lord. Behold, Michael, this angel, this unnamed angel, tells Daniel, Michael, who we know is one of the archangels of God, one of the chief princes, he came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And he's speaking in the spiritual realm. And now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the later days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. So now that I've broken through, I'm going to give you a message about what's coming in the future. For the chosen people, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. This is what it's speaking of. What a trip. So this vision that we're going to see as we go into chapter 11 and 12, not tonight, next week, week after, it relates to a future time. And when he had spoken such words to me, Daniel says, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. Okay, so we started with Daniel on the ground in verse 9 Then he was touched and he got to his hands and knees and then the angel said, stand up. And now Daniel's back on his face again, okay? And and we, we think that we want an encounter like this with an angel. It's traumatic. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips and then opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision... My sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. And so Daniel was so severely affected by this vision that he could barely breathe, much less deal with the prophetic complexities that are being brought to him. And again, verse 18 the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. He had the likeness of a man, but it wasn't a man, it was an angelic being. And he said again, O oh man, greatly beloved, <coughs> fear not, peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. How encouraging. Every single word. Oh, man, greatly beloved. Fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. And so when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Speak on. And he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight the prince I'm going to go back into the battle in the spiritual realm and when I have gone forth indeed the prince of Greece will come so there's another spiritual principality over the region of Greece and I believe the bible shows us that there's assigned principalities and forces over different regions of the world if you travel the world you can feel the difference if you're tuned in spiritually We don't need to understand it all. I don't need to understand it all. I don't want to understand it all. All I know and all I need to know is that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and we overcome the devil, the enemy, by the word of our testimony, and we all have the same testimony. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch... Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. This is my testimony. Jesus saved me, a wretched sinner, by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Okay, you want to get demons running? (laughs) Hide in Jesus. Let Jesus roar like a lion, and his enemies flee. Don't try to fight him. Don't try to argue with him. Tell him what a great guy you are. He'll beat the hell out of you. You know? On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I will not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Our victory is in Christ. We're flesh, we're weak, but he is mighty above all. Oh man, greatly beloved. Fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. And he spoke and I was strengthened. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return and fight. I'm going back into this battle. And I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Michael and I are fighting. Michael the Archangel. I love that name. That was my dad's name. Mikael, who is like God, is what it means. Daniel is about to receive an answer to his prayer. And yet the battle is not over for the heavenly messenger. He's come and he's strengthened Daniel. And he says, I got to go back. The battle's still raging. First, he he must battle the the principalities over Persia. And he says... And over Greece, (laughs) you know. No one upholds me against these except Michael. Michael seems to be the angelic guardian over Israel. Michael appears to be the the godly force that protects Israel. Battling against demonic representatives of Persia. And any who would oppose or seek to destroy or annihilate or holocaust these people. On earth, Israel seems lowly and weak. But in the heavens, Israel has a mighty representative above all. What an interesting insight we're done tonight into what is happening behind the scenes. We're just skimming the surface of this stuff what's happening behind the scenes. There's a a behind the scenes thing that's happening. It's making all this chaos on the earth. It wants to make chaos in your relationships with you and your wife. It wants to make chaos. You ever experienced this? I experienced it the other day. My daughter was getting ready to leave. She's dancing in Europe. She's a ballet dancer. And My wife said something, and I took it one way. And next thing you know, there's this weirdness. We're standing there, and, we're and I knew about a couple minutes into our just this wretched little argument. I knew it, we're under spiritual attack. But for some reason, I kept we kept fighting each other. So finally, I said, I, "I I I gotta I gotta take a walk." And I began to pray. and I began to give my testimony. This is my testimony: the blood of the lamb. I began to rebuke Satan and I walked back up and I said to my wife I'm sorry she just grabbed me and she was, she was already talking to God and we just began to pray over our daughter we began to pray for each other we, were, we overcame the devil by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb we need to learn how to fight how do we fight we pray Daniel's praying The angels are battling it out, you know. This is real. These insights into the spiritual battle that rages. It's raging over Israel right now. It's raging over our lives. Guess what, guys? We've been grafted in to the people of God through faith in Israel's Messiah. You and I are in a battle. What do you think this was? Five-star cruise? <laughs> Welcome to the war. You're, you're involved. You, we, we sit, we're sitting here watching Israel right now. We've been grafted in, Romans 9, 10, and 11. We've been grafted into the people of God through faith in Israel's Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. And he's for the whole world. We've been grafted in. And all the blessings, all the promises, all the covenants, all the commonwealth, it's ours now. You and I are called sons and daughters of Abraham through faith. But guess what? We're also targets of the spiritual war. Daniel's showing us how we fight. We fight in prayer. We seek the Lord. And God will come and he'll send help. And we'll, we'll fight and he'll encourage us and he'll say, oh, you're so greatly loved. Fear not, peace be to you. Stand up. Go, go again, go again. Father, we thank you. We praise you for these insights. We thank you for your word. We pray, God, for the spiritual battle that is raging right now. The hateful spirits that want to destroy the people of Israel. (laughs) Right now, as aircraft carriers and destroyers and nuclear submarines are all parked around that region of the world, and people are rooting for the total destruction. Lord, we pray against these principalities and powers, and we pray for peace. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, We pray that your salvation would go out to all the people that are full of hate, that you'd save people. You'd open their eyes, Lord, because you love all of them. You love the Jordanians. You love the Egyptians and the Syrians. You love, God, the Persian people. We pray that you would fight this warfare, God, and release people, from hate and destruction and bring him into light and life. Bring him into peace. Dial us in, Lord, to the spiritual warfare that we experience. Teach us how to fight. We pray all of this to your glory and our greater joy in Jesus' name and everybody who agreed said together. Amen, amen. Blessings on you. Say hi to someone on your way out. We'll see you next week. We'll get into chapter 11 in what The message was that God gave to Daniel through the angel. Blessings.